Hello and welcome to This Contains Garlic. You are here with your hosts, Georgia Garlic and... Mark Garlic. And we are back for episode five. And today, Mark, what are we going to talk about? Uh, today we're going to talk about different types of diets. Ooh. And different uh, scenarios... Uh, when it comes to dieting, when it's relevant, when it's not relevant, yeah. and um, just and more like really relevant things like working, when you're working and dieting, when you have a family, and having to navigate those kind of um, different situations. Uh, situations. Yeah, so I think first things first, um, I think just to clarify like what a diet really is. In terms of the dictionary, a diet is technically what you consume on a day-to-day basis. It's not a dieting method. It is a diet. It is your overall um, what you consume, liquid and solid, every single day. And what would impact your diet? Well, a lot of things. It could be potentially your environment. It could be your work, you know, your work lifestyle. It could be your personal preferences of food. It could be allergies. It could be a number of different things as to what. True. Um, food availability. Yeah, as to like, like how you actually eat on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, we always say that like the best diet you will ever have is the one you're currently, currently guess, eating. eating. With then, some adjustments. With some adjustments. <laughs> I love that. With some adjustments. No, minor adjustments. I think adjustments. what we mean is like, you know, there's no point putting yourself onto certain other dieting methods if you can consume what you like to consume, but just within the amount that's right for you mm-hmm. and not put that sort of limiting factor onto yourself. Um, and I think it's also important to understand that if you do enjoy certain dieting methods, which some people do, like yeah, uh, we're sure. talking popular ones such as could be a keto diet, could be you've implemented time restrictions, so in, uh, intermittent fasting. It could be, oh, a number of different things. Flexible dieting. Flexible dieting. Calorie counting. That's also, these are all effectively methods as to how to diet in a Mm. way. Um, And some people thoroughly enjoy following um, sort of dietary methods to a degree. So if we go into something like keto, some people might prefer a higher fat, higher protein diet. Sure. Um, but what we're trying to say is you don't need to undertake these methods um, as it's not your only sort, you know, only way of, I guess, improving. I think your- the understanding that regardless of which dietary method you want to choose, um, the main principles of you adjusting it to your total daily energy expenditure and how many calories you're burning through exercise and things like NEAT and the macro composition of your meals, like regardless of which diet you choose, you still have to adhere to the laws of thermodynamics in terms of weight loss and weight gain is predetermined by how many calories you consume. Okay, so what you're trying to say is the fact that every diet that you do, you're going to have to restrict something energy there has to be some acknowledgement to your energy balance whether it's expending calories through movement or exercise or calorie restriction through then inserting your dietary method that suits your lifestyle 
So if you were to, we, I mean, we're, we'll start with probably um, the most common, I guess what we what we advocates for, and it's not for everybody, I guess is a combination of a few. We like the fact that if you want the best outcome, that like tracking calories would be your best bet to a degree, or the fact if you wanted to improve your nutritional like input, you would then obviously look to keep a pattern and a track you know keeping track of what you are consuming and making sure you're getting enough nutrition in and i think tracking has always been the most accurate way and that's why it has such great success for people it's like the most effective for us it's the most effective way of obtaining a result because you understanding all the different inputs that go into your diet it's not a long-term like you need to track for the rest of your life it's just done so that you can gain an understanding of the different foods that you like to consume that you have availability to and that you and that you enjoy yeah, I think also it's like, you know, knowing the numbers to things then can lead to you having a more flexible approach with your nutrition. Like, as we said, like, we don't want people to ever track forever. Like, it should be used as a tool, just like every one of these dietary methods should be used as a tool. It shouldn't be, you know, the thing that you do every single day for the rest of your life because... No you know you need to come to terms and if you're not being educated on the dietary method in which you're undertaking you know you're going to end up with never being able to come off of that diet because yeah. you don't know what to, what it is and what it's doing and exactly. and so you always feel like you need to be on that diet to be able to mm. maintain that weight so i think with tracking it obviously educates you massively it empowers does. you with the knowledge as to what you're eating and how much of it you're eating which allows you to not only eat what you want technically but it also allows you to then think okay well I'm going to use my intuition now I roughly know x amount and that's when you know okay well if I need to I don't know you can eyeball it or guess yeah um but and then if we were to move on to obviously uh, what I mean I'd say calorie tracking is up there with probably at the moment one of the most popular tools to lose weight which is great because finally like this has actually come about however I would still say there's a very 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 strong (laughs) Um, outline of other dietary methods which people undertake without actually probably knowing that much about what they do and 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 what is is needed I guess in the long term because as we said like your diet is not something that you should be like chopping and changing all the time Um, so no it's not something that you switch on and off and it's something that you need to look if you can't do it for the next six months to a year then it's probably not something that you should embark on because it's it's fortifying uh diet culture narratives of restriction to a certain degree depending on what uh diet you choose um and then nobody has willpower a hundred percent of the time and motivation generally does tend to wane so it's then 10 steps forward, 12 steps backwards, yo-yo cycle that then starts to develop when you restrict, unrestrict, restrict. I think going off what you said, I would actually disagree in a way. I think it should be something that you should stick to for like be able to go, you know, adhere to for way more than a year. 
like at the yeah, end of the day plus. like most of the time if you've got like a strong mind to it and you want to achieve a goal you will some people will happily diet for let me, six months okay of let a me year. clarify that statement as under the assumption that within that 12 months an individual is then able to adopt new uh, habits that then become you know you you're under the assumption that if somebody can stick to something for a year the potential chance of them being able to stick to it for the rest of their life then substantially increases yeah and i don't necessarily think that you stick to every i mean like you know if you think you're like if you you like to track for example then you don't track i mean you're not always necessarily yeah but if you tracked for a year you pretty consistently you would make a yeah i mean this moves on to the subject which i think we've always wanted to talk about actually just briefly off it is you know like always searching for the next best like thing because you do sometimes get to a point when as a human you know you can do so stuff in so much routine that you start to become bored of it and then when you become bored of it or you don't or not necessarily that a lot of things that help you we always find problems with like we always find a flaw for things that it's always help us yeah, the method then becomes the issue when it's not necessarily the method that's the issue. It might be a lack of motivation. It could be something that crops up in your day-to-day life that has yeah. you know, changed your I th- personal I think, and so, like, you know, and then when you do get bored, you're then like, okay, cool, like, what can I do next? Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, maybe I should try this because so-and-so has tried it. Or actually, this is probably going to see me better off if I do this. Or, Mm -hmm. oh, okay, so-and-so said that if we do that, then I'll lose this. And I've put on some weight and I don't know how to... When actually, it's just because, like, as we always say, like, calorie tracking and, I guess, following the principles of all of that is, like... I mean, most people don't want to hear it because it's not that sexy, you know? Yeah. It's not, like, going to promise you really anything it's, other than trying. Yeah, it does. And well, it promises you a lot, you know, tracking that no, stuff, it but it doesn't necessarily... It's not the sexiest answer when you could knock back six different supplements and lose £10 in a week. Sure. Or, Obviously, like, that's restrict a whole food group. Yeah, I mean, moving on to this, like, talking about, like, dieting methods, like, I, I would probably want to converse about stuff like people understanding the keto diet more before thinking about whether or not they should undertake, you know, something which Mm. is a very drastic method and not going to... Yeah, I think the keto kind of crops up every now and again. It kind of like flares up in popularity. A lot in America, I think, you know. Yeah, a lot in America. You know, there's plenty of people that we have either known or have been associated with in some degrees that sell fucking ketones whatever oh yeah those bloody sachets do not just do not believe that (laughs) shit um unfortunately another thing where it's worked for somebody because they've restricted their calories alongside an exercise frequently you gotta understand the context of the individual it's like yeah okay so you go into the gym twice well, a day no, actually, I'd say most you're not people... eating carbs you're not doing a whole variety of different calorie adjustments and expenditure adjustments and then of course you're seeing progress well most of the people that sell these kittens if they're not like complete and utter like z lister which is just trying to make a quick buck they are um, people who do have a lifestyle where they move more or potentially they have yeah. a coach or a trainer yeah. like five times a week yeah. they've got the ability and they're like and they and they themselves potentially are obviously showing work a, from home and do fifteen thousand steps a day and you know what i mean it's all it's, it's all it's all relative to i guess the situation but i think what 
I would like to converse more is what is a keto diet and like what people, you know, should think about when they are looking at these dietary methods is something, yeah. oh, maybe I should try. I mean, the true definition of a ketogenic diet is generally a very high fat, moderate to high protein diet with no carbohydrates. Yeah, and obviously... Out of 50 grams a day, but that's literally enough And they prefer you to eat, brain. like, strawberries rather than, like, yeah. a starchy carb of any They any say degree. brain function, your brain requires about 50 grams of carbs a day. So, like, obviously, keto came about to help, I guess, neurological like, yes, disorders. Yes, made, made very popular by Tim Noakes, the sports scientist based in Cape Town, but has been um known to have been debunked with a yeah. lot of um a lot of the claims that he has uh, he put out yeah but he also i mean obviously it was a huge practice for those that had epilepsy yeah no or... there is there is very strong studies uh that have shown very positive benefits with children with epilepsy and regulation and carbohydrates but again this is something that has to be managed it's not something you just go and put yourself on if you are obviously yeah, epileptic or your, your child is uh, you know suffering you know, you, with epilepsy uh, we have both known um people that have gone on to ketogenic diets and stuff like that where you you can't just go free reign you know, fat and, and protein. Oh my God. You know, this is the thing. Keto's always sold like handfuls of butter and and pork scratchings. And, you know, you've still got to adhere Adhere to to the overall umbrella of metabolic outputs. Yes, but keto will make, it's not easier in any sense. What I'm, what we're trying to say is it will be made easier adhering to those principles when you cut out and exclude such a large macronutrient group. Like, you know, and then you're, and then you're replacing it with lean proteins, which are very, very satiating. So that you're statistically going to be eating fewer and fewer calories. Yeah, and that, that's obviously if you like eating a lot of meat. Like doing a keto diet and being uh, a vegan or a vegetarian is just not no, possible. No, no, like, no, 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 and we are, would strongly, strongly, you know, suggest never to. Oh, yeah, the completely. Spectrum, so, yeah. like, if you are a vegan or vegetarian or you're plant based in your manner, like keto yeah. is something that you shouldn't even be. I'm sure you're probably. Probably not to be caught in a I don't even think it's of, possible. It, no, you, you, I'm sure you could. You just sit there with, well, actually, mm, that would be no, really hard. Because the your protein sources Isn't would have it, to be plant-based, yeah. which some some protein sources also have high amounts of carbohydrates. Yeah. So they say, obviously, when you're keto or you're following a keto diet, mm. you obviously have to cut out, you know, you're talking... Uh, sugar groups you know know, everything that comes in carbs and carbs also covers you know uh, vegetables fruit like they say that obviously you can potentially have like 50 grams of strawberries a day but like 50 grams of strawberries a day if you've weighed that is one (laughs) strawberry you know what I mean like so it's it you know that's if you're on the more flexible end Mm. of keto but Mm. if not you are completely removing every type of carbohydrate yeah and I guess why why is that? I mean, why do they take the carbs away for you to what what happens to your body when your you body go essentially keto? then goes into a ketogenesis, where obviously the name is derived. Uh, your body re- then once in ketogenesis starts to increase the fat utilization, so basically using your fat as fuel. Yeah, that's which also doesn't necessarily me- doesn't necessarily mean that you're burning fat. You're using fat because fat is the only available source of energy. So yeah. you're not necessarily burning, losing body fat. You're using it 
and lo- using and losing is two, two very, very different, different things. Yeah. But this is where the 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 muddled marketing comes into play, um, and people cherry picking certain arguments when it comes to you know trying to validate their own scientific agenda. Yeah. Um, like using like fat for fuel, fat oxidization <laughs> and things like that as as trigger marketing words and things like that to. But it's very different because you can still be in a ketogenic diet if you're still com- in a calorie surplus, you're still going to put on weight. Yeah, but this is what people don't understand. But what for majority of people who have maybe tried keto for a period of time and seen results mm. or potentially like live their life for keto will say, well, it works because, you know, I've yeah. done it and I've achieved it. But realistically, for your average person and even somebody like me, carbohydrates are your biggest source of energy. Mm. And as much as like stuff like protein is obviously advised for satiation and for muscle okay, mass and all yes, of all the stuff okay. you know and you need a also, minimum fat intake it's you know, also you more want... readily available like if you're a, your average general population individual who doesn't maybe have time to cook breakfast before going to work and things like that and you're going to pick up a sandwich you're not going to be able to pick up no very few people luck, have the luxury of cooking you know, nice scrambled eggs, and and then even if you're having like cold boiled eggs at the office, like yeah, do you know what I mean? Like this, no. life is so much better. So than you know, carbohydrates are more convenient. But if you just take a step back and you compare like to like, if you've ever been on that ketogenic lifestyle and you see progress, it's because you know your convenience carbohydrates and and the a vast majority of your general uh, consumption was removed and meant that obviously then and you know your energy balance changes and you're eating satiating protein so it's it's very hard to overeat like chicken breasts and fillet steak that you get to a certain point where you're like oh my god yeah and if you struggle to get enough protein intake in now meat sweats like mark that's for people that overeat on meat it's just (laughs) just like a bit gross at like one of those like barbecue grill places but like anyway (laughs) Just imagining a world buffet in my Bodines. <laughs> Bodines, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think, you know, when you remove, you know, pro- protein itself, like, is 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 very hard for people to intake enough yeah. of, like, yeah, anyway. Sure. So then when you take away what you really enjoy, like, a lot of people don't necessarily enjoy eating a can of tuna, but they mm. might quite like a tuna on bagel. a bagel. Why do you always say bagel? I love bagels. If you want to know, Mark is literally obsessed with bagels. Like, the bagel is just something that is never I, a, a, a bold statement, but I reckon if there was like a bagel eating competition, I would be in the top three. Maybe we should launch a bagel eating competition. Not speed. Just not speed. Not, I don't want to Ma- like no, do Mark, it fast. You also eat with slowly. speed. The other day you told me that you needed to slow down your eating. I needed you're... to be more mindful of my chewing. <laughs> You know, when your parents used to tell you, you tell you to chew your food properly. That's not my one thing. The garlic's are known for it. not not so much my, my, well, my side of the family, but we eat like animals, like, uh, <laughs> like prisoners. They're, yeah, genuinely prisoners. I've never, I've never understood like how fast you guys all eat. Like in the sense, we go for a meal and it's all like, gone. With the way an African eats a chicken bone is very different to, to a, how a British person yeah, would. Yeah. Like I, for example, before I moved to South Africa and also married an African, yeah. I would literally eat like a chicken and leave like, yeah, like all one of, bite. No, I'd literally have like just literally one bite of the the yeah. meatiest part you could get, and then I'd leave the rest. And then when I met Mark, it was literally like 
everything just the bones left yeah. if anything they probably eat the bones as well to be honest you know what I mean? like oh sorry are you uh done with those yeah it's because inflation is so high in zimbabwe you don't want to be buying too oh, many no, chicken you, wings you go right you lick those things clean <laughs> clean that's the only thing you're getting for a month like <laughs> sorry to upset you anyway back to the keto diet anyway it is obviously a method which a lot of people undertake. And I think just to summarize, you know, there is no need for you to necessarily undertake something which is so drastic if you enjoy those macronutrient groups. And obviously, yeah, some people really like it. Maybe it's diet. for you. But also, just remember, you're, you know, unless you have all of these tests in place, finding out if you're in ketosis or not is actually quite challenging. Like you wait on a stick, yeah, you you've got all to, these kits. If you really want to go into like, proper ketosis you want to get yourself some pee sticks so that you can wee on them so you can see how many ketones are in your urine but then also guys like again this is all these things that if you've got the time for this shit go ahead do you yeah, know what i mean if you I really mean, love it but realistically if you don't you listen asking to asking ladies just thinking, to pee on things sake. and stuff like yeah. that's also a bit weird yeah, like just hi just like <laughs> can you just piss on this and yeah, then come okay. out with the results with like dripping piss all over it do you know what i mean gross <laughs> it's like when you go and do a urine test hi susan that's looking rather purple today <laughs> i think we need <laughs> to keep <laughs> i think we might be nearing it yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. it's just a bit weird and i yeah. think look if you if you have the time and you're really anal on it and you want to manage it then fine but you know it's not benefiting you yeah. any other way unless you potentially obviously as we said a lot of studies and research is done in neurological disorder and this is something we're, we're not going to yeah you can't group the two things together when people have like uh, epilepsy and like when it's just a dietary fad you can't compare the two and those two those are two completely different conversations yeah like completely and we're not going to go into that because it's medical stuff but um moving on i think talking about dietary um the next one we should talk about is uh time restricted eating or intermittent fasting you just restricted Time, you just said something time different. restricted yeah you didn't say restricted if you go back it was something else than that okay. <laughs> sorry i time restricted fasting um or intermittent fasting there's obviously many variations yeah. i think this became to light as being and again obviously i would say like Look, everybody fasts every day, okay? So think yeah. about it like this. When you go to sleep and you're not eating and you're not consuming yeah. any liquid, Assuming you are you fasting. Sleep eight hours, yeah. When you have a break from eating, you are fasting. Sure. The way that people capitalized on this, it, well, I think at the start, it was very much like the 5 2 diet, which. Yeah. Five two FYI was five days of eating uh, normally mm-hmm. and two days of eating. If I'm not mistaken, it was maximum five hundred or eight hundred yeah, calories between five and five for those two days a week. So overall, yeah. again, just a quick highlight: that is just reducing your calorie intake. Yeah. So um, if you look at your calorie consumption over a weekly basis, you're just reducing two days down to then try and get a, a weekly average. A that's weekly less. average. So, like, talking maths, it would mean that, like, if you ate 2,000 calories a day for five days and on your uh, two days where you had to fast or, you know, bring in fasting methods, you Mm. ate 500 calories, which means you're saving technically 3,000 calories that you would normally have eaten for those two days at the end of the week, which means, again, weight loss, obviously. Yeah, from the overall... 
acknowledgement of the principles of calories in versus calories out. Yeah, because like, you know, this is when dietary methods don't really make but, sense. But that's under the assumption that you are on the, so you've obviously gone the whole day with not eating and you've only eaten 500 to 600 calories. And then the next day you're ravenously hungry. That's under the assumption that you're not just going to go yeah. absolutely AWOL. Because yeah, because majority of the time, if you haven't eaten anything the day before, you in your mind sometimes think yes. you need to make up for I've it. Had, <laughs> we've both have, have had have had had clients who <laughs> that's a tongue twister. Um, have had clients. have had clients who have undergone those things, those uh, time restricted fasting and things like that. And when it comes to feeding, the feeding is overboard because yeah. it's either knowing that you're going to restrict yourself later or having come off some level of fast restriction. It's that, it's that sort of, in my opinion, it's the, the reward factor that you've yeah. done something that you don't need to. And yeah. you have to be very regimented. Like I've, I have known a lot of people that along my years in my in the industry that have succeeded quite well on stuff like five two because it's you know but are they doing it now and is it a dietary method they choose to do now or do you, no not really because no. they didn't like the fact that two days a week was so limited and then they also didn't understand and were mm. never taught the principles as yes. to why five two really is working yes. so then when they came off of it or you know they didn't understand why now if they're eating full full amount seven days a week sure. that why they put all the weight back on and actually it's, it is about anything you do education is is really the first and foremost point because yeah. if you don't have any understanding or any research as to behind why you're undertaking it and you're doing it because somebody else has done it yeah you or are it's like never, the hottest topic or something yeah you're never going to it. understand like what yeah. the principles are so you know you could see somebody who has lost two stone doing you know keto diet intermittent fasting paleo you name it Ju juice fruits but do you know why it's not because of those methods it's because of the principles that they've been using to manipulate their overall calorie intake so without your why and the knowledge behind what you are do you know doing you are going to fail afterwards and i think that's why stuff like tracking or potentially um just, structured planning you yeah know. Or just further education on your your well, nutritional input if you're even if you're not tracking the numbers you can track the sense of your nutrition so you mm. can understand more that educates mm. you that oh i can have that it's just you yeah. know it's stuff that needs to be balanced out you know when you go on a dietary method the, the counting thing is not something that is highlighted unless obviously you're on sort of a point system like sure. a weight watchers or a slimming yeah. well you know you're not counting necessarily you're just eating what you're being told to eat yeah, which is yes probably no. like but, yes no yes no red yeah. food bad food good food you know yeah. don't eat this yeah. eat With that no understanding of okay well what's the macronutrient composition of these foods how many calories does it contain per 100 grams yeah because like so for example so if not you go onto a diet like i don't know the the keto diet that we were just talking about and you could go and have like six cheeseburgers in the evening obviously yeah. without the bread you know what yes. i mean and i would be putting on Patties, weight you know cheese, what i mean eating you, go, you know all in yeah yeah cooking it in oil then having some butter yeah. in my fucking coffee do you know what i mean like yeah. all of this that is so much you know more calorie intake than you probably would have and then you're like oh my god i'm meant to be losing weight but i'm actually putting it on you just need to understand always the why, I think. I and went so, to a barbecue once and there was a girl eating butter out of the container. <laughs> yeah, and that's Because just... she was like, I'm on a ketogenic diet, so I can eat as much fat as I like. 
anybody that eats butter like that, please, yeah, please, like. Just have, know, a, have, a, ch- have a chat to somebody. I don't mind butter. It's got to be melted. Just I don't not, like the look of not butter. straight, though. Yeah, Mark, you eat. Okay, let's go on to this. Mark eats <laughs> on his bagels peanut butter and butter. Now, that's very controversial. Yeah, I'm like, peanut butter is butter. It's butter. It's there to be spread. I wouldn't put, um, like, Nutella with butter. Like, that's rank. You'd want just Nutella, surely. The spread. But the only thing I disagree on that is jam, that. actually, because I think jam without butter is quite sad, actually. I think I agree <laughs> so with you with n- most Nutella Most spreads are not meant butter. to be mixed, in my opinion. I just think butter and peanut butter Would you have butter and mayonnaise? Delicious. No. Yeah, exactly. It's the same fucking thing. It's like fat yeah, but on fat. You wouldn't fat. just it's eat weird. a mayonnaise sandwich, just straight mayonnaise. But would you have no? But you would you That's eat weird. butter mayonnaise with? Guess actually you would because I know you've eaten it yeah, before. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would. <laughs> butter mayonnaise, little ham, cheese, oh, but, tomato, cheese sandwich, baguette. Start eating, maybe quick snack. Should we have a time out on here? Yeah, let's have a have pause. Have a kick out. Have yeah. a break. Um, anyway, back to time restricted eating. So obviously, it did become a lot more popular because the book launched of the five two diet. Yeah. And then I, I think it's moved on. Obviously, a lot of religions follow periods of fasting obviously as a religious festivity or um and so we appreciate that side you know some some of those you know that's more cultural and environment yeah Um, it's still also very different topics this is very um, much based off of weight not other aspects i think if you're actually going to talk about intermittent fasting um i guess obviously as we said there's different versions and different variations of fasting but as an overview how it works is it limits your time the time you eat throughout the day yeah it limits it to a period of time in which you can consume calories yeah. with the hope that that will enable you to reduce your overall or daily weekly yeah. calorie intake. so if you had a feeding window between 8 a.m and 6 p.m that would be the only time essentially that you could eat and then you would be advised not to eat outside of that window but the vast majority of your calorie consumption comes at night after work and generally in the evening when you consume the most amount of your your calorie intake it is well statistically yes i mean like a lot of people can still nail to themselves to the ground between 8 a.m and 6 p.m but on average that's when we are busiest as humans Mm. um unless you're obviously working shift work but like in the sense of like if you are working a normal nine to five uh, job like mm. that's when you're going to be busiest is like where you're not potentially well that being said you know i remember when people used to work in offices and like yeah. um used to say that it was like the mid-afternoon like snacking that became an issue but yeah, in a sure. sense of it, it limits the time period in which you consume food so majority of the time they'll say like you can start eating at say some midday and you mm. can eat until 6 p.m sure. and so that gives you six hours to eat food now even if you went and had a huge meal within that, yeah. the likelihood is within X amount of time of how hungry you would get within six hours for another yeah. huge meal. For another huge So it's meal. not to say that it's not doable. So like but you could still, let's say your uh, total daily energy expenditure is 2,200 calories. Um, if you had a one huge meal and you still had 1,300 calories, 1,400 calories in one sitting... Um, you would still create a huge deficit, but like Georgia just touched on, you would the chances of you being hungry another two to three hours within your feeding window would be very small. Yeah, which means that those hours that are between 
you know, 6 p.m. in the evening and 12 p.m. the next day, like you're not eating anything. And it's like if you do that consistently over a a long period of time, you're going to be creating quite a large deficit in your daily routine. However, where it goes wrong and people think it doesn't necessarily work for them is when they don't understand the principle of intermittent fasting because mm. it does just come down to like you can still overeat you know yeah yeah so you this is all hypothetically assuming you'd create a deficit but you could within your feeding window still overeat your total daily energy expenditure and create a surplus yeah easily i mean it doesn't like you could nuts. literally no is, is nuts. that we're going to talk about nuts, nuts. are we nuts well the... a good old honey roasted cashew no, i'm not does saying get i love nuts <laughs> I don't love nuts. Okay, right. Where are we going right this? No, I'm just saying, like, almonds. Yeah, what are you talking about? Okay, Mark's talking about nuts, and it's got nothing to do with intermittent fasting. Just to say, you can go over your calorie limit within that time quite Mm. easily, but normally to what we would usually eat, if your time period is restricted, you can't get as much food in as yeah. you would normally want to or would mm. naturally do. So that is where intermittent fasting becomes a useful tool for people. Yeah. And being honest, like I tend to use it as a tool. I don't actually consciously use intermittent fasting, but I am fasting I think if you're to a, a degree. In the personal training industry, generally you intermittent fast a lot. Yeah, because you're not going to... Sorry, I, I'm going to say this now. If you're a coach and you eat in front of your client, please don't. Like, yeah, that is one of the grossest habits yeah. you could do is eat in front of a client. I don't care if they're like, oh, no, please eat. They don't want you to eat. <laughs> like, and especially the food that we statistically would normally eat. Like, let's get out of a condensation Tupperware box. Like, some sorry, like, oh, guys, sorry, I've just got to have a yeah, snack. My prepped meal or a prepped from meal. Please eat ago. in your own time, not around people, yeah. you know, that are clients and paying you. Anyway, yeah. on from that. You know, we would heating your food up in the microwave <laughs> because that you're just gonna kill Especially whatever if it's work like week seven of cod. Yeah. <laughs> and if it's fish, then just you've don't. ruined the establishment. Yeah, like literally, the smell. <laughs> anyway, going. I guess we need to go back to why we're even talking yeah, about heating up food. <laughs> we would naturally, as trainers, obviously, if you're very busy, um, you wouldn't be eating quite a long time. So you wake up super early, five in the morning, you need to be at the gym at six, you maybe have a couple of clients back to back, you're not going to have a meal until... We didn't normally eat till midday. Yeah, midday. Like, I, if we were lucky, sometimes we'd yeah. be so back to back. In fact, there's been so many times we've been so back to back that literally all we've managed to inhale is nuts, Mark. Yeah, nuts. <laughs> Just a few Blueberries. nuts. Blueberries. <laughs> a few blueberries. We used to the work at studio. Tesco's, Tesco's Express yeah, across Tesco the road Express, from the uh, station. The world's cemetery. shittest coffee, literally. That was like misery in a cup. Like The employees really, there were the highlight of my day. Though. Yeah, they used to always be so nice. And we always used to be the only ones awake, always. We were always fucking yeah. awake. It was us, crackheads, and... And people coming home from raffles. Yeah, crackheads. So, like, literally, <laughs> like... <laughs> So I guess if anyone doesn't know, Raffles is a nightclub yeah. in Southwest London, which is... And if you know, then you know. If you know, you know. Anyway, um, <laughs> moving on from that, we would naturally obviously fast as trainers. Mm. So there is ways that we don't consciously go, oh, yeah. I'm intermittent fasting today. Yeah. But you naturally adopt the method with your lifestyle. Sure. So say, say, for example, always people always used to say, oh, breakfast is the best meal of the day or, the, or you know, the, the most nutritious meal of the day. What... Where that came from was statistically the fact that if you fueled yourself well at the start of the day, I think back for 
nutrition really got into the nitty gritty to the mm. general population and probably when it expanded more and more online and information breakfast was something which was like a bowl of shreddies or like a bowl of cheerios you know and some milk and what mm. nutritionists didn't really want was people waking up and thinking that x amount of cereal with some milk was going to fuel you properly for a productive day because sure. If you don't know or don't know, nutrition will massively fuel your brain for the day. So whatever mm. you eat, you are going to project in some way, not in the sense of project. Yeah, like, but but you are going to, you know, if you eat a shit processed diet, yeah. you are not going to necessarily feel as energized as somebody no. that eats a balanced, nutritious diet. No, it's about optimization and you're going to be not firing on all cylinders compared to having a nutritionally dense diet. Yeah, so like where where breakfast came about is because a lot of people were eating in that convenience time, piece of toast, butter and jam, leaving the house. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm. But I think in the overview, people wanted to say, actually, breakfast is a very good start of the day and don't be afraid to have a good nutritious mm. breakfast. And that's when the increase of stuff like egg intake probably went up, smoked salmon, you know, instead of the convenience breakfast foods, which were known as something like cereal, toast, you know, a croissant or something that, you know, mm. was easy to eat and digest and would break yeah. the fast. But that's why breakfast is called breakfast because it's breaking fast, a fast. Yeah. So, you know, if we're going back to if you don't like eating breakfast, then you're likely to not eat anything until lunchtime normally, yeah. you know, unless you have like a really high calorie coffee in the morning. I don't know. Normally, yeah. you're not eating. Flapjack. What is it about you, food? I feel like you're quite food I used focused to get, today. Uh, flapjack every day to work. Oh, <laughs> I'm just having flashbacks. Oh my god, did you actually? Yeah, like four thirty in the morning. A flapjack just sustain yourself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Wimbledon a few oats. Station. Oats on the go. Um, yeah. Anyway, so breakfast is obviously if you don't eat breakfast, you're going to have had a period of fasting, and then you obviously, you know, for me, I don't. I've never really thoroughly enjoyed eating breakfast that much. Sure. So there would be days mm. I wouldn't consume breakfast, but there's other days I, where I could... Have you always been like that? Have you always... Um... No, because I think back in the day when breakfast was the most important meal of the day and God, you won't burn any fat throughout the day if you don't eat breakfast. And there was a lot of marketing off of eating breakfast. There was lots that would like what speed up your... What time frame are, you, are we talking about here? What year... year? Oh, please, why do we need to go back to a yearbook? I'm just asking. I don't know, Mark. What year are we no, in now? No, just like Fuck, point of reference. Years ago. Okay, years Like ago. before I've been anywhere close to where <laughs> I am. Okay, let me give you a specific time as well. Would you like my WhatsApp location? Like, yeah. anyway, yeah. I think, you know, there were a lot of marketing things for dieting trends that said about breakfast and it sure. could make you more metabolic and you know your meta me metabolism uh, would crash yes, you wouldn't okay. crash if you didn't and so yes. people nailed it like if you rev, don't eat breakfast revving your metabolism yeah rev your metabolism make yes. sure you know and so if you didn't eat breakfast suddenly your whole nutrition yeah. was just shit and yeah. so but actually now it is you know as we're going back to intermittent fasting it is a tool where people just don't if they don't want to eat breakfast you're not going to fucking eat breakfast but we seem to have glorified that into a marketing trend that if you don't eat breakfast suddenly you intermittent fast it's yeah. not you are intermittent fasting but technically you're just having a break from eating see it like that so i mean if you, it's just slapping a label on it, it's just very I mean? good it's, it's like, very very good oh, what are yeah. you doing this week oh, i'm intermittent fasting and then it's more of an identity than uh, and 
creating a community of people like-minded yeah we like to we like to get into groups yeah and get into groups and make sure that our opinions are right yeah and then you feel relatable to other individuals that are doing the same thing as you and it's it's just slapping a label on not eating breakfast online as a group (laughs) like literally so i mean i think we're hopefully past that no we're not definitely past the keyboard warrior of like groups definitely definitely not we just don't try to involve involve ourselves with that so if you don't realize why we don't really talk about dieting methods that much over social media that's the reason why because as we'll go back to every dietary method that somebody has undertaken that has potentially worked for them for a period Mm. of time they then think is the only method that is doable so putting out something that potentially could be counterproductive yeah yeah to their own end yeah and it's all about context because everybody has their own personal life experiences and like we've touched on before we're all starting from different points we're all running different races and to try and adapt your life and your nutrition just to somebody doing a trend or something you've heard and stuff like that when in reality all you need to do is understand your own metabolic rates and how many calories you consume and how many calories you expend yeah and and actually then you're if we were to move on from time restricted eating into like um understanding flexible uh, what we like to call is flexible fueling, actually, which is known as, I guess, flexible dieting. Yeah, flexible and, dieting. And then we also need to compare that to if it fits your macros. Yeah, well, let's get to the actual flexible dieting first. So obviously flexible dieting, again, goes off the rules like everything does of thermodynamics, which is obviously calories in versus calories out. But um Look, at first, I think actually, let's start with if it fits your macros, because first of all, can I just clarify for those that are listening that might not know what a macro is or if it fits your macros or macro counting, macronutrients make up the largest part of your diet, okay? So you're talking protein, fats, carbohydrates, and alcohol. Um, not, yeah, I mean, that's if you obviously can, t- you know, drink alcohol, but those are your your groups, the biggest macro groups yeah. um, of your di- in your diet. And macro counting or tracking came about where it kind of, instead of counting your calories, now obviously every calorie adds up to a gram of a macro, because if you think about it, like, not to get yeah. into the maths of it you know it, it it all adds up to pretty much roughly the yeah, same ca- counting calories and counting macros is but it was a way if it fits your macros it was a way of saying you can eat whatever the fuck you want as long as, as, it, long fits as it fits your, fits your macro targets so say for example i could have 120 grams of protein a day 200 grams of carbs and I don't know, 40, grams, 40 of grams of fat, I would then could eat whatever I wanted, but as long as those targets were adhered to. Yeah, so it so still came down to tracking. Your 50 grams from of, let's say, fat from... Ice cream. Ice cream or peanut butter uh, or... Back to the peanut yeah, Back to the nuts. <laughs> back to the nuts. Nuts. <laughs> nuts. Yeah, these nuts. Yeah, yeah literally. Yeah. Um, you could get, you know, and then protein, you could, once you got your 120 grams of protein via whatever source you chose, that was ticked off. Carbs the same. Yeah. It didn't, what it didn't necessarily teach, if it fits your macros, was a highly nutritious diet, unless your macronutrient selections were were good enough so it it kind of went through a phase especially with bodybuilders i would say and the bodybuilding environment where 
you could eat these like waffles with like cookies and cream fucking pop tarts was the, the was main the thing in the uh, bodybuilding industry people eating pop tarts yeah and it was like oh my god this fits my macros you can have it yeah. too i'm hitting all my macro groups and i'm making they were, progress yeah very famous uh, uh, this was around the youtube age as well where there were guys like matt ogus and a couple of other random people that really popularized if it fits your macros and um yeah and i think like what it didn't really teach was the fact that like all, all these guys again it even pinnacles of industries it that, went to the upper echelons of bodybuilding onto the olympia stage where guys that were actually doing your bog standard bodybuilding uh diet which was obviously just like chicken rice fish beef potatoes and then leading into a ketogenic diet 10 days up up until the up until prep up until the show sorry um the guys that did if it fits your macros never did very well yeah because then you the macro composition that they macro, chose you know, the, so the, meaning like instead of choosing maybe a balanced diet where yeah. it wasn't if it fits your macros and you took the approach that you wanted to be more nutritional yeah. than not then you would end up you know the thermic effect of the macronutrient composition of your foods then comes into play because when you consume different macronutrient food groups the amount of energy your body requires to break that down and utilize it differs from macro to macro yeah so protein is obviously your highest thermic effect out of all of the macronutrients and so if you're if it then fits your macros and you're not fat. prioritizing good quality protein yeah. then it's actually minimal what your body exactly. is receiving. So just eating 20 grams of protein is, when you get down into the nitty gritty, what is good quality protein? What is bad quality protein? What is the bioavailability of the protein? If you're eating 20 grams of protein from, let's say, for example, uh, gelatin, yeah, which is, is a that lot. The, is it, that going to be the same as eating twenty grams of protein from a f uh, a white fish or a chicken breast? You know, like not to be boring. No, but like, not really, say, because a, of the bioavailability. But also, can we just, just uh, gelatin? You wouldn't necessarily just eat gelatin sheets. Like the reason we're yeah, saying gelatin but is saying because that some of the a lot of the convenience. That's what I'm trying exactly. to say, Mark. Yeah. Is the fact that a lot of the convenience foods that you know the ones that you'll see marketed as yes. being high protein now they do contain 20 grams of protein or whatever they say on the back but a lot of it comes from gelatin yeah which is kind of gross if you think about it but anyway so that's why you know eating you know three protein bars and a shake to get your protein and not and then eating just some fucking sides of carbs and fat somewhere yeah. is not the best way of getting huge amount of protein if you're using convenience protein for just a snack fine sure. like we have we'll have like a protein yeah it's about percentages a... you don't want the vast majority of your protein intake coming from convenience based protein sources ideally yeah so that's when if it fits your macros then Picard starts the nitty gritty as to whether it works or whether people yeah. looked good in stage anyway the overview is that a lot of people followed that that trend and that's when i guess we could go on to flexible eating where what we think is probably the better way of yeah. life with yeah. nutrition yeah, I, I is agree. if you're not tracking, then at least you could then use your intuition to a degree with flexible fueling because it's about the thing with flexible eating is I think a lot of people thought it was kind of like if it fits your macros, you could yeah. eat whatever the fuck you wanted and you would be flexible and you still and you sure. just calorie count. Yeah. Now, 
calorie counting alone, forget any macronutrient, do you know what I mean? And just anything hitting about, a just hitting target. calories and and you know and and following a deficit will help you lose weight. Yes. End of. However, it's how you feel on the way, how you feel every day, yes. how you perform, optimization. You know, all of these things that come into play in the lifestyle as to whether or not just calorie counting yeah. is is wise. So you could be hitting a, ca- a certain calorie target and not eating enough protein to stimulate muscle growth and help yeah. you recover from your workout. So just hitting a said target with no other sub targets yeah, it will help you lose weight if that if that's what your what your goal is but generally from our experience the goal is not weight loss it's changing your body composition yeah because, because if you go through a huge you're weight. more set on looking a certain way than you are like dead set on weighing a certain number so then it becomes about body composition so just hitting a target with no consideration to the other fundamental mechanics that help adjust your body composition like what protein uh, protein intake is probably, probably the, bit, yeah, the, the, the main driving yeah. factor so um, when it comes or highly processed foods all the time but also you won't you'll see minimal yeah it, it's 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 the quality of your food then comes into play if you want to adjust your body composition yeah. because eating for example you followed a calorie deficit for five months you've maybe not exercised throughout that and you've just followed the deficit in the sense yeah. of your calorie counting and you've not thought or considered potentially what macronutrients your food makes up exactly you're going to end up with probably well what suboptimal results. suboptimal results because your body composition won't represent what yes. you know and it's, it gets to the point where your body you know it's just losing i guess weight it's not really doing anything in yeah. the sense of your body shape to a degree yeah. and a lot of people because want to adapt their body shape when you um when you lose weight you will have at some point lose some muscle mass yeah that's another guarantee so you know it's if you you're, are going if to. it's a it's a if it's a cycle that repeats itself where there's not enough amino acids stimulating muscle protein synthesis to retain muscle mass or to increase muscle mass then the body it's a free for all of losing weight to a certain degree but also sacrificing muscle yeah. which then knocks on to strength which then knocks on to joints then it's yeah a, it's so a cascading. So, forth. so i think going back to flexible eating what we're flexible what we like to call fueling because i i don't really like as much as we when we started this podcast we said that a diet is genuinely just what you eat on a day-to-day basis yeah. it's not a dieting and but the word has been so like a t- fucking marketed well, just, it's just such an awful word now yeah. that like you know, they always say you can spell die and diet. Do you know what I mean? No. Like it's <laughs> so like you know, it's one of these things that I don't I don't really like to put a diet into this picture. But flexible fueling is something where oh, the good old eighty twenty balance comes in. Yeah. Where eighty twenty is another way of people saying you can eighty percent of the time you're good and ten twenty percent of the time you're bad. That's where it first came about. Yeah. Then it moved into actually being eighty percent nutrient dense and twenty percent, I guess, what you could call is less nutrient dense but more palatable. More palatable. Yeah. More well, palatable. I say that, but actually food you know, 
nutrient-dense food can still be very, very palatable. I think it's sure. one of these things where... Sure. But 20%, imagine, is for things that are maybe like, processed food or things yeah, that are like now every food foods. is processed. But like... I'm talking convenient. Well, not convenience based necessarily. Like a, you might want some chocolate. You crisps. might want some crisps. Mark's clearly very crisps. hungry. Crisps, as I've said in the last podcast, is like the mm. death of me. No crisps allowed. Otherwise, it's the multi pack <laughs> gone. Um, so what's that? A multi pack of twelve? Yeah, that's a multi pack. I always for like one. to go for the really weird flavors as well, just to test yeah. my palate. Test your palate. Do you know what I mean? And that's how sad life's really got. Mark, <laughs> yeah. likes, Mark would like to do a bagel eating contest and also have a more palatable crisp flavour. <laughs> um, but anyway, so obviously you had like 20% of your diet, which was the nice, what everybody markets as the nice stuff. Like what everybody mm. used to call as junk food. Yeah, I guess it still could or, be called yeah. junk food. It's all these labels. Anyway, it's the, food. it's the stuff that we are going to eat in our na- natural daily life because yeah. unf- unfortunately or fortunately, I don't fucking know. The UK obesity crisis would say, unfortunately, but the convenience of these foods is so apparent in our day-to-day lives, it's hard not to Mm. consume it. So what we see is if we can try and aim for 80% flexible fueling of good, nutritious, you know, nutritionally dense planned food, meaning that you're getting good meals in a day and hitting protein targets, then the rest of your calories is effectively then taken up by foods you really enjoy or just really would like to eat like a chocolate bar or you know as mark said crisps um and that that gives you a more educated approach long term to your overall nutrition especially if you're tracking your calories because then you can see what you like and what you don't like you can make some substitutions yeah and then you you can also realize what you can have and that is the biggest thing because that is what will empower you to food freedom like People always bang on about food freedom as being like, you know, it's not an easy thing to get to. And I no. still think that we will always subconsciously yeah. think certain foods are like, oh dear, yeah, we, it's that. within our subconscious now that certain foods are bad for us, regardless yeah, of like when Jamie how Oliver far you know you've gone down the nuggets, road. Do you know what I mean? We know that yeah. having a McDonald's, for example, like if we're going off of like the old school, like supersize me and all of this shit, like teaching you can still eat this shit, like or demonizing it in a way. You know, like a McDonald's is like, it's it's not the most nutritionally balanced meal, but it might be the only thing that's available to you. But at the end of the day, like, is it going to be the most nutrient dense meal? No, it's not like, but you are going to probably at one point consume it, you know, and it's one of these things that you don't want to end up feeling like you can't in a degree. But I think that you know it's all in context as well like certain meals within the like if you've been adhering to whatever uh, dietary requirements uh, you you choose for 95 percent of the time and then um there's a day or two or a couple meals that you you kind of go off track then well, i don't like that word off track yeah i, I don't like, like the word track, track as well like it's like track. you're not it's just, doing anything but like subconsciously like we, we we know that these yeah. things are not necessarily that great yeah and i don't us, think that, that will ever still... change because it's inherently been marketed to us from such a young age that there's always going to be something wrong with eating a donut yeah or, i know uh, when like actually you know like, I mean? like you always then... have that that level of guilt where you're like oh yeah, I don't know. I think it's, creams. you know, we're not like, you know, food freedom is one of those things where I think that like, you know, you're, ne- you're never, 
you're, you will escape food freedom if you empower yourself with enough like yeah like if you knowledge. know that you've you've got enough calories to consume something within your over over overall calorie range then you can at least sit down and enjoy it like you can have some ice cream or you can have something but you know that you budgeted those calories as the portion control yeah as well and then after that it's enjoying and savoring what you're eating and and drawing a line under it so, because at the end of the day the the thing that's going to be motivating you the most is is making some level of progress with your nutrition yeah habits. and i think like being able to as we said like throughout like stuff when you undertake a dietary method like you know so from what we've talked about on here something going back like i guess keto like you don't you don't want to get to the point where after you've done this method or which is inherently going to happen when you fucking give up because it does happen when you start to go actually shit uh you know fancy a few beers we've got a fucking barbecue at the weekend and it's only hot dogs in the stand but i'm just going to be eating a sausage do you know what i mean like you know and you start to (laughs) i don't know why just that's not the best (laughs) (laughs) that would be miserable just eating loads of hot dogs you'd feel ill afterwards Mark, you just said you wanted to do a bagel eating competition. Yeah, but bagels and hot dogs are very different. You think that I'm talking about one of those horrible Frankfurter sausages? So yeah, if you that's like what them, I grew up with. with. Yeah, because that's what it was in Zimbabwe. from Calcum. Oh, gross. Yeah. No, I'm talking about like a nice sausage. What kind of sausage <laughs> are you talking about? I don't fucking like know. I don't like Borovos. If you're South African, sorry, but like Most honestly, Eng- gross. My, that's the one thing that I've tried to introduce to many English people, and they just don't like. Because it's like a, a Borovos is like a, a spiced yeah. sausage, and I can't describe it. But it's if not you're like African, chorizo, then chorizo. You, you you love it. I well, love not. Some I've known actually some Africans that don't like Borovos. Name them. Name and shame. <laughs> no, we're not going to bring up the Africans. Name and shame them. <laughs> Actually, I, that's They'll actually be really shunned from their community. <laughs> They'll be shunned from their community. I mean, anyway, let's not going back to eating hot dogs. You've got a barbecue at the weekend, like cutting out a food group and not understanding that you can have these things and all of this, like doesn't mm. really allow you to have that educated approach long term mm. to your nutrition. Now, as we said, you're not always going to track. Like yeah, you go sure. on and off of periods of tracking and normally you will track for a goal, you know, in yeah. the sense of... And that's really important with tracking. You must have goals with tracking because yeah. otherwise it can just feel like yeah, fucking just, boring. And, you know, and obsessive to a certain degree over time. But it's it's a means to an end. But you can't also just assume intu- that you can intuitively eat without understanding the macronutrient composition and calorie compositions of food. Yeah. So because we inherently like to overconsume food. And if you don't understand the 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 knowledge behind the food groups then intuitive eating to a certain degree even though the true definition is that you're not looking to lose or gain weight with intuitive eating you're just eating to intuition so there's yeah. no real outcome and that's a another topic for another day like if you want to lose weight then intuitive eating essentially by the de- dictionary terms Dick. is not going to, is it's counterproductive it's it's a non-goal yeah because like process. we all think we know what we're eating like the amount of people that i would say i'm just talking from my own bed that i have dealt with that would come to me like well i eat really healthily yeah. i eat really healthily i have you know what i mean i do all of this blah blah but they're eating like really calorie dense food for example yeah. like 
I'm not going off that. Or they'll say like, oh, I'm not eating anything really. And this is the thing with intuition. We're always going to tell ourselves what we want to hear. Yeah, and And, we we forget the bite here, the the sources, the this, the that. And if you don't know what is in your food, like we're soon, well, we're all finding out in the UK currently, if you live in the UK, a lot of restaurants have started playing ca- placing calorie amounts yeah. on the food menus. Now, I have two different views about this. One, obviously, if you have been obsessive or you have an eating disorder or whatever, then obviously this isn't necessarily helping you. And it can sometimes demonize foods from you enjoying something. True. However, 95% of the population are obese at the moment. And it's, well, that's actually a large set, but majority of the UK are what we classify as obese currently and so placing calorie amounts on menus kind of opens up your eyes to make maybe a wiser choice do you think um when you were a heavier weight that understanding um the calorie contents on foods that you're consuming would have changed any of your uh food choices when you were if I was eating out, maybe, maybe. It's like sometimes you look at menus and you're Do like, Do you think what that uh, being in a social made... situation also changes that considering the. It's the very useful content. for those that are undertaking a journey to go, okay, well, I can have that. I just need to budget a few calories for it or I need to okay. have that extra so, into, so you can okay, pre plan. But there are yeah. some things that you're like, how the fuck does that have so many calories in? Like, you're like, in what way? Like, I don't want to do that. Like, what the fuck? Like, we were looking at menus of, of Deliveroo the other day, weren't yeah. we? And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, I re- I was like, okay, like, in your mind, you're like, yeah. oh, I really want to eat that. But in, yeah. then you look at numbers, you're like... 1,200 calories. 1,200, like. more like 1,700, some of those main meals I have. And if you're looking at the more calorie-dense fucking foods, they're up at over 2,000 for, like, yeah. one meal. And that's, yeah. like, somebody's full daily intake in literally one meal. So if you... I mean, it is one of these things where... You, going back to the calorie account yeah, on but menus, would it have like, changed your food choices when you were in a different frame I, of mind when i was very very overweight i loved to self-sabotage so no actually i don't think it would yeah. have really affected me like yeah. i think i would have just been like you know what fuck it i'll do it twice like yeah, because i was like I, it kind know. of proved a point to myself that like i could do this like mm. i was known for ordering like a, a domino's for a family of four and then like when the door door went mm. and they were there i'd end up like i'd be by myself and i would literally like coming mum it's coming, do you know what I mean? Like literally, and it's like because I've literally just got on the doorstep. Yeah. This delivery man's yeah. like fucking trying to hold up like four pizza boxes yeah. and all the sides. You know what I mean? Plus the cookies and the fucking yes. drink, and you're yeah. just pretending like you're not about to go and inhale every single last bit of it yourself. And it is that sort of denial. And I think when you are very overweight, you do do this secret. Like I was a classic secret eater when mm. I was overweight. So it's one of these things where no, actually, I probably would have just like. I don't know. I mean, if I talk in the head that I am now, obviously, probably it would affect me. But Mm. back in the head that I used to be in, you know, in the brain that I used to, probably not. um, It will have an impact for some people. And um, And some not. And I think this is like with anything, you've got to take it in an individual approach rather than a mass approach. But, you know, dieting in a way when it comes to like calorie tracking and flexible eating and... I guess allowing yourself food freedom and intuitive, you know, all of these things, it does come down to, to of having to have practiced something for a period of time. Like, and it's also understanding that you can choose whatever method you want to choose as long, but you still will always have to adhere to calories in versus calories out. Yeah. And if There's you don't, always then has it's... to be some level of metabolic adjustments and, and, 
um, one thing that we also probably need to touch on is uh, deficit dieting and and the ranges of deficits between a, having a small deficit of 100 to 200 calories underneath your TDE because most people want to lose Oh, in well, fact, we a pound or two pounds. Yeah, a pound or two pounds a week. So then the general narrative is. I think when Mark says deficit calories. dieting, for those that don't know what we're actually talking about, because look, like I'm fairly certain that the majority of people listening would have heard about calorie deficit. If you follow us on social media, you would have. If you follow a majority of people that are getting on board with it, you would have heard of a calorie deficit. But calorie deficit literally just means like eating less than you normally would consistently. And that's mm. a good point, consistently. Mm. Because it's not just like one day you've eaten yeah. like 200 calories left and then you go and inhale like 6,000 the next day. Like mm. that's not deficit dieting. No. Deficit dieting is where you, for a consistent period of time, you eat less, you know, less food than you burn than you burn yeah and and obviously, as we've mentioned time and time again, burning calories doesn't just come from yourself. Do you know what I mean? It comes from your external activity and expenditure and all of this stuff. But what I think we also need to cover, uh, and I'd like to just, uh, for you to go deeper on, deeper. is the different levels of diet, deficit dieting. What happens when the deficit is too big? Yeah, I know. But just, I need to describe what deficit dieting really is before we then go into, okay, like now we're going to go into like counting calories and stuff like that so normally what has been sold for the information the research that has been sold for many a years now is that if you achieved a 500 calorie deficit off of your tde which is a total daily energy expenditure which is also your maintenance calories and you had your maintenance calories for example that is your tde and you subtracted 500 calories off of that that over a seven-day period, you would statistically create a deficit of 3,500 calories, which would equal one pound of fat loss. Yeah. However, that's not I mean, 500 calories generally off your TDE from our experience with clients is, is a large deficit. Imagine that, like majority of the time, if we're talking about a woman, for example. That's a whole meal for most people, well, 500 whole calories. So. Yeah, and, and you know, you've got to think about when somebody goes into dieting, a period of dieting where they want to lose weight again you know if you want to give up go and do the most extreme thing at the start mm. because your body just doesn't like it you're, you're not you're not going to have a good time you are going to have huge amounts more hunger and unless there is a real fucking need for that you know there is no need doing it you see if you're for example the argument is is if your tde is much much higher yeah. and you are um, either holding a lot of weight or you've got a huge amount of muscle mass or either vice versa, then your calorie intake, taking 500 calories off, might not be as extreme as somebody mm. that is your general population client yeah. who is potentially a 65 kilo, 70 kilo woman, whatever, whose calories, you know, they're five foot six and yeah. their calories could sit at maybe naturally yeah, 1900. Again, context, like, you then go and take 500 calories off 1900 calories. You're eating at 1400 calories. Yeah, okay. Or, or, this is when people get down to 1200 calories, which is basically the intake of a small child. Yeah. And then you very much struggle to actually one hit your macro targets because your whole pro your whole calorie intake per day will be protein or something that you don't yeah. necessarily want to eat yeah. so everything becomes a little bit harder now we appreciate the you know different aspects personality you know what i mean come into play here like 500 calorie deficits for your general population client is not advised because they will not be able to adhere to it mm. for a greater period of time because yeah. 
And, you know, you're going to start hating dieting after that. Yeah, because the main thing that drives uh, nutrition as well is obviously consistency. Because if you can't consistently adhere to your dietary requirements or your dietary uh, in, uh, interventions, then the process just goes round and round and Yeah, circles. so if we go back to deficit dieting, like making sure that your deficit is not huge. And I'd just like to go back to when you set up what the fuck you're doing in your life in terms of dieting, you're always going to want to be starting at a maintenance period. Yeah. Now, maintenance is technically a range. It is not an exact number and it will depend... Yeah very much on your energy your energy expenditure who what you are how much muscle mass you've got yeah. your age everything your comes into play your lifestyle yeah. comes into play with that when you look at your maintenance range you then go okay well how much do i okay so i, I start in this range here if you are starting and and you are tracking you are going to see big progress at maintenance because you are adhering mm. to a target. Yeah. And for the first few weeks, you do see, and sometimes for and forever. Generally, maintenance is a deficit for most people. Because yeah, because you're normally over If you're carrying uh, a large amount of body fat, then there's an excess amount of calories being intake. Uh, consumed compared to the amount of calories that are being burned. Yeah. So if you're reducing from from that to technically your uh, what is hypothetically your your total daily energy expenditure that is just going to be a deficit in its own right and i think also normally a lot of the time when people go on a diet they mm. also go and do something like more exercise yeah. or they actively are conscious of how much they've moved yeah. so and so can... that's increasing the deficit even more so from our experience with clients when we do this because this is the uh, protocol that we we use um we will see probably about 50 to 70 percent of the progress made within maintenance yeah big time actually and then we'd look to potentially if the client still wanted to make progress mm. or depending on the client's goal if it was still mm. fat loss we would potentially adjust by like literally like a hundred yeah. maybe 200 depending on this thing yeah. but you know depending on the time and all of this and what their goal is but it's not a big deficit we're taking what we subtract could either potentially be utilized by more steps, maybe overall, yeah. although that's not really, you can't yeah. really keep track of exactly how many calories are burned of energy expenditure because it's very, very yeah, inaccurate. Tricky. So tricky. when it comes to intaking it, it could be just, okay, well, we're just reducing by down by 100 calories, which means, you know, it allows somebody to still enjoy what yeah. they're eating and still feel like they can do things without being like, fuck, a, I've got no calories. As to eat. a coach, um, for all the coaches that are listening out there, the, the quickest way to success is having a client eat. And, and this is also relevant for people that are general population. You want to eat as much food as possible and still yeah. achieve your goals. Yeah. Because like, that's what, so instead of cutting your calories maybe look to increase or track your daily step intake because unfortunately sometimes going to the gym for 45 minutes or 30 minutes four mm. five times a week and then not moving at all outside of your gym session does not necessarily make you like yeah. very active yeah so then by you the definitions of overestimating of activity estimations when it comes to the i think it's always about finding balance because i think that if you can't really you can track habits over like mm. um 
over a given over period, a yeah. like an energy expenditure watch or whatever like that you can definitely track a trend but i think that if you want to lose weight the best you know forget trying to like increase energy expenditure and all of this stuff you know sometimes too much energy expenditure will make your you make you hunger yeah. which makes the deficit even harder i guess it's different like going for a run and increasing your just going for a walk is obviously very different things when it comes to how it impacts your yeah but that's uh, just for another day and it's very hormones. boring talking about what your hunger oh, yeah. hormones now we're going to talk about hunger. no 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 we'll, we'll say no i think we'll go, if we go back to deficit dieting it's also about when is the right time to implement this stuff into mm. your life? Because, you know, we can go along the side, you know, we don't want, you know, the best advice from this podcast would be if you are to, to ca- try calorie counting or your mm. thing, just start at a reasonable number yeah. where you actually go, oh, okay, fine. And sometimes you could also potentially set that about 200 calories higher and still make probably just as much mm. progress you just always need to adapt if you're losing shit tons of weight a week then your maintenance will be higher than what you think it is yeah. if you're like tracking it that yeah. so never think that like you know you don't want to run yourself into the ground when it no. comes to deficit dieting because it has a huge impact on muscle mass and if you yeah. spend and just time, training in general like if you're eating a low calorie diet compared to the training you're trying to to achieve yeah. it's going to be counterproductive to your recovery and like Georgia said, your body composition. Yeah, um, so I think I think we should finish like finish diet today. We didn't go into too many dieting trends today because some of them don't need to be highlighted because some of them are dog shit. But the ones that are tools to a degree, yeah, which think, is like, like eliminating shakes and detoxes and stuff like that, we're not even going to cover I, I, because I can't that's even go gonna, into that because that's well, just going to turn into us, us raging for. About I sometimes an hour. think when we actually bring up supplements, that people then go and end up buying them, even though we've told them they're not. No, good. we will definitely <laughs> cover supplements. No, but, but like, that's not in terms like, of like I'm not interested about touching no, on detox no, teas. I'm no, sorry, no, guys. No, like. No. Please, just like if you Fat know better, do better. And all that nonsense. It's, like it's if you know life. better, do better. That is my whole motto. Yeah. Like you know, just do. It. But anyway, I think what we will end up, what we're going to end talking today is that when is the right time for you to, to diet or to undertake a lower calorie diet to what you are currently intaking? It's, a lot of the time, we are either. I think socially pressured to do it or we feel like we need to for a period of time so for example like a holiday or a wedding or this or that like we feel the need to lose weight yeah it's always constant and actually that constant mentality of i need to die i need to die is telling you something that you don't have enough nutritional education as to like managing that because Mm. you know you should thoroughly enjoy your life in like uh eating you know being aware of what you're consuming but also enjoying the food and having a social life and whatnot and if we get a lot of questions actually i think it'd be a good idea to bring this up saying that like oh i've got a lot of social plans in the diary you know i've got loads of things coming up but i still need to lose weight and what we come back with is adjust your expectations because you can't do both in the sense of overdo socializing yeah. and not sacrifice somewhere on the on you yeah. know because if you end up doing that you're then ending up effectively on a yo-yo cycle of like yeah i mean there needs to be a, a some level of balance where yeah 
if you're like socializing, for example, is really stealing away from you eating a nutritious diet and you you really want to make adjustments to your physique and your body composition, then your expectations need to be adjusted. Yeah. Um, And there is a time and place for for dieting. Like, for example, like if you're going through personal grief or you're going through hardship and you're going through other things, is it probably the best time to want to lose lose weight or do I do like think that? going off maybe, of that, like not, a lot like... of the time when you go through periods that where you're very unhappy, now I'm not talking necessarily grief, sometimes grief come out in multiple different ways, but I do think that one of the biggest things we pick up on when we are unhappy about something is the way that we look Mm. and I think it's important to understand that like it probably would be one of the first places you would criticize when your life is not necessarily going to the way that you want it to go or you've had a very hard you know something's happened and you can't manage it and you feel out of control you know understanding that looking at yourself and then picking yourself apart is not going to help the situation to so that time of your life it is not important to diet then Mm. it is important to nutritionally fuel yourself so that your your brain can function better and happier or you can give yourself the best chance of feeling good off of your nutrition but that's a prime example you know we have Time and time again, a lot of women who have had, uh, have just had a baby or are very conscious that they've put on a lot of weight throughout their pregnancy and they're like, right, I'm, I just really need to start deficit dieting yeah, now. And it's like, away. you need to understand that when you've had a child, not only is that like the greatest thing, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, you know, it, it is one of the things where you have a child to feed, do you know what I mean? Yeah, when you start to breastfeed, maybe you don't breastfeed, but still the energy requirements mm. from a first time mum is huge. You yeah, are going to experience stuff that you'll never have experienced. You know, your, like your routine you, is, is turned upside down. So then you're going to go, okay, and now what I'm going to do when I've had no sleep, yeah. minimal sleep, I've been breastfeeding, which already requires yeah. more calorie per day. Yeah. You know, I'm going to then go and undertake a deficit. Yeah. That's not the way you should go about and then it. You're, yeah, you haven't slept you, while no. you're feeling really hungry and then you're placing these expectations on yourself to achieve certain things. And then when you can't achieve those expectations, then it's, you feel bad about yeah, it. Yeah, but I think that that's the time where you would look at something of building a foundation. Yeah. Now, we're not here saying that if you're unhappy with the way that you look or feel, that of course you should action something on your own regard. You know, there are many people that don't like the fact that they might have put on a lot of weight throughout pregnancy and, and mm. want to get back to what they used to say as their usual self, yeah, you know. Sure. And that's very different after you've had a child. But if you are going through that period of time, understand that actually that time is the best time to build a foundation mm. to then when you get past, you know, maybe you don't breastfeed for that you know too long or you know things but the routine becomes more and more you know manageable manageable for you not that having children is ever manageable but like you know it it, you then you can go well I've got a very good foundation maybe I've worked on building some strength through this time or you know good nutrition then you can go okay I'm going to implement a slight deficit and that foundation is based on education and understanding of nutrition yeah and And so like you know that's when I think periods of time you know there there is never you should never always diet so that I think what should we end with today is you should never always diet I dieting should be brought in as methods or tools Mm. when you have 
a goal or you have a health issue in which you need to lose weight for um it should never be brought in because you just think it's never just just because yeah just because and if somebody is doing something and it works for them just remember it works for them yeah deficit dieting and or just dieting in general should not just be your default mode no and and in in no way shape or form you shouldn't always feel like you're going back to the deficit because then you haven't really got a very good balance between understanding where you can just sit at and And if you want to build a significant amount of muscle mass you have to be in some form of surplus or within i still think you know for general population don't overthink that you don't necessarily need to be in a surplus to build muscle as a beginner for those that are listening out there that want to build yeah like deficit dieting will reduce your muscle mass like that is one of the things that you can't necessarily do both that's why we always say maintenance is your happy point surplus is where you want to really take it to the next fucking yeah. level of gaining muscle yeah. but on average if you're deficit dieting you will see muscle loss alongside it so doing your best things of trying to strength train alongside yeah, it or and eat a high, protein, eat a high diet. protein diet will help your body composition long term mm. but don't ever feel like you need to diet there are times and periods in the day and in your life that are right for dieting you know but don't feel like, you know, this is the only thing that I have to do now is to diet. And if somebody is doing something that you think works for them, just either do some fucking research and say, is this actually really a viable yeah. option? Understand what you are doing. Exactly. Or do they have the same context? Uh, do we have the same context? Are we running the same race? Yeah, like, are, like know, do we have the same back. lifestyle? Exactly. Is this yeah, something? That's what I'm and most of the time it'll be no, no, no. And you'll yeah. end up saying, actually, that's a shit method. Yeah. But, there is very proven methods to work and it would very much come down to your character and to just understand that what works for you will not necessarily work for somebody else and exactly. taking dieting yeah. with and, a pinch and of your, salt. And your personal experience, just because maybe you've seen success doesn't mean other people will see success. Yeah. So, and, you know, don't go and push ideas onto onto people because like like we've said, everything is, is contextual. Contextual, anyway. I think today yeah. we're going to end the podcast right now. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> thanks for tuning in for episode five. It's quite a long one today, I feel like. Yeah, it is. Um, and we will be back. Uh, I'm not sure if some of you are aware and following us um, on Spotify or whatever. We now will be doing two podcasts a week for as much as we can update. Yeah. Um, and so they will be coming out on a Monday and a Thursday every week so you've got a beginning of the week and yeah. the end of the week yeah. to listen to Save our wonderful it, share it please uh, let we, everybody yeah, know yeah we will be going up on extra platforms soon yeah. so if you are on different devices and stuff and not on Spotify or whatever then you will be able to yeah. listen to us we yeah. hope you're enjoying so far and stay tuned for Thank more you guys. thanks bye guys